Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Podcast 1286 yeah, I tried watching that movie, and, uh, oh boy. I'm so mad that the fucking shrooms didn't... No, keep- I ki- they, kicked, they kicked in for Blair Witch, and it was incredible. <laughs> I was like, I was telling Andrea, I was like, she was like, what'd you do last night? And I was like, well, like, I watched this shitty movie, uh, and I took shrooms before that, and then they kicked in at the end of the shitty movie, so I watched The Blair Witch Project. And she immediately was like, why the fuck did you do that? And I was <laughs> yeah. like, because... I was like, because I wanted to feel fear again. Why? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Fuck it. Sure. Sure, man. That makes sense. Well, it's like, it's been, a, it's been a minute since I've, like, actually been scared of a movie, and I will have to say, like, mm-hmm. like the Blair Witch Project is such a primal thing because, like, I did that as a kid. Like, I went out into the woods. I camped in the middle of nowhere. I went into abandoned houses. I died in the basement. You know, like... I died. 1-800-COLLECT. <laughs> that is a reference absolutely fucking no one is going to get. Chris Rock impressions are always my favorite. Mm-hmm. That and Richard Pryor. <laughs> Tell that motherfucker I said to have a coke and a smile. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like... D- d- Fucking Vaccaro and Della Rosa will vouch for this. I had pretty much the entirety of Raw memorized yeah. by seventh grade. Oh yeah. And at lunch, oh, yeah. I would just do the bits. Yeah. It was it was like this comedy black market because they, they're these kids like their parents were not gonna let them watch it. So I would just you know like like a game of telephone. Be like oh yeah, and then this one part he's talking about telling Bill Cosby to shut the fuck up. I feel like a prior impersonation is very similar to a Bill Cosby. A little bit. Except one didn't rape people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that we know of, exactly. Yeah, I mean he was high on coke for like a decade. (laughs) Yeah, dude. He was he was literally he literally covered himself in third degree birds free basing. (laughs) I think rape was legal back then. It was the seventies. It's like a coin flip. (laughs) Probably in like all the Republican states, yes. (laughs) On like a technicality, most likely. That is a fucking Richard Pryor bit like like I didn't even know the rape was illegal. Okay, I was free base. None of this can go in. I swear to God, <laughs> Your Honor. It's not my fault, Jack. I thought they were demons. <laughs> yeah, here's my theory. Bill Cosby killed uh, Jeffrey Epstein. That's I like it. Hmm. 
He did it himself. <laughs> he, he's like Jeff Epstein stole my thunder. It ties the bed sheet into a noose. <laughs> no, it was it was actually an accident. Bill was just like Jeff. Let me tell you, if you let me take this rope and put it around your neck while you pull your meat, you're gonna come like you never fucking come before. Oh shit, he ain't breathing. Oh no, you need to get up off the floor, Jeff. Oh no, talk to me. God, God, he ain't breathing. I don't know how he got his underwear around his neck. Oh no! This is a very unfortunate tragedy, and I'm going back to myself. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> you killed me. No, that is going in the episode. <laughs> that needs to be in the episode. And <laughs> yeah, we'll find a way for that to make it in. Find a way to edit out all the rape and uh, <laughs> and that shit, and make that acceptable. Spoken as a true white man, bagels. Welcome to the podcast 1289 Halloween Rape <laughs> Naming this chat Five Nights at R. Kelly was a mistake. It was a lapse in judgment, and today we're going to talk about the spookiest thing ever, having no agency over your body. <laughs> God damn it. So Texas? We're talking about Texas. We are talking about Texas. Oh, God, no. Ew. <laughs> we go to our specialist on the ground, Dan Jones. It's hell. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, assuming you haven't called your lawyers yet, welcome to the... Fifth, eighth, twelfth... How many years have we been doing this? A two months. So we did one in... We did one in 2016, At least three 2017, too many. 2018, 2019, 2020. The sixth annual podcast, 1289 Spooktacular! Yay! The variable quantity podcast, 1289 uh, Spooktacular, yeah. I'm one of your many hosts, I'm Jesse. Tonight in this spooky, scary dungeon. Hey, everybody. Who's at a truck stop? We're in this spooky, scary truck stop bathroom. I'm going to have to... We're Instead of putting the dungeon noises in this one, I'm going to put, like, dripping sink bathroom noises. <laughs> Muffled sounds of trucks driving away. I'm going to have an 18-wheeler idling in the background. I just picture Homestyle sitting in a truck stop with a, le a lot lizard next to him, just like, you know, yeah, you know, I got to do this podcast thing. <laughs> just shut up and be quiet. Yeah, I got to go podcast. Uh, by the way, if you scream, I'll cut you. <laughs> oh, no! Just so we're, uh, just so we're up front about that. Okay. <laughs> What'd I tell you? Oh, fuck you, Jesse. That was funny. <laughs> that was good. Oh, my God. Mike's like the nicest guy. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. He's a fucking sweetheart. Uh, he's like the nicest guy. Just said something <laughs> that horrible. That's why it's so funny to picture him doing Jeffrey Dahmer shit. He's a soft <laughs> bean. Speaking of the Puerto Rican Jim Norton, we've got Homestyle Mike with us. <laughs> I thought that was going to get a bigger laugh. We'll, we'll find a way around that. It's called a laugh track. I'm going to take all the laughs from the rape jokes that we're going to cut out. <laughs> I feel like I'm a little, I'm a little health, too healthy looking to look like Jim Norton. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, losing weight was not a good call for him. Jimmy does look like he's uh, been through a couple of rounds of chemo. Yeah, Jim Norton looks like 
if like Jack Ruby fucked a worm. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna sleep tonight because of that image. Also with us tonight on this very spoopy Halloween, we've got Skeleton John. Yellow. Crashing on the couch of bloody knives, Rob's in town. The blood is mostly mine. Yeah, the rest is mine. <laughs> you know, we you know, I, I think really quick before we continue with the introductions, we need to finally acknowledge this because a couple people have reached out on our Instagram and asked us where what is the couch full of knives a reference to? I'm gonna tell this story really quick because it is one hundred percent true. The first time all of us got together in one place was for the, the filming of Homecoming back in twenty seventeen. Rob called the couch in the living room of the suite that we got at our hotel. And it literally had, like, what was it, like half a dozen fucking pocket knives? No, it was more than a dozen. It was easily <laughs> more than a dozen. <laughs> in, in in his pants pockets. And no, in a briefcase. Fucking... I carried them around in a briefcase. One of them fell out of my pocket, though, yeah. Yeah, it was in your pocket because you were wearing these fucking Constantine khakis at the time. I saw Constantine khakis at CBGB's, by the way. They opened for the Dharma bums. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. Anyway, so he, he was sitting on the couch at one point, and it's finally time to crash. Homestyle goes to lay down on the fucking couch, and all of a sudden he just jumps up like, Ow! And I'm like, what's up? And he goes, something bit my ass. And I'm like... Oh, fuck. Do we got fucking bed bugs here? And that would have been, like, really surprising me because, like, I think you'll all agree that hotel was super fucking nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um... Yeah. Yeah. It was cleaner than most apartments I've lived in. Yep. And, um... (laughs) So we all go over to the couch and we're like, what the fuck could it have been? And so Homestyle, which this was probably incredibly fucking dangerous (laughs) now that we know what happened, but he just shoves his hand in between the cushions (laughs) to see what it was. And he pulls a fucking knife out and he goes... Oh man, whoever stayed here before us left a knife, and then sheepishly behind me, I hear Rob go, that's mine. (laughs) And I'm like, you're fucking joking, right? And he goes, no, that must have fallen out of my pocket. I'm like, why is it open? He's like, I'm quite drunk right now. You know, it's funny, we found the knife and the couch when we were staying at the low, but it wasn't Rob's. Oh my god, you're right. I didn't take that. That felt like bad juju, just take anything out of the fucking low hotel. I also want to just point out that Rob was in my car for like five minutes, and I'm 99% sure you dropped one of your knives in my car. And I found it after we got back. It's got a wooden handle in his. He's black. leaving horcruxes. The guy just drops knives like pennies. Yeah, no, that is absolutely my knife. He has hundreds of tiny ones at any given time. Yeah, if Rob gets hit by an enemy, he just drops all his knives. <laughs> like Sonic. Yeah, no, it's like, it's like, it's like Sonic. Yeah, no. Yeah, if I have knives, I have I have an armor class bonus. If I get punched, all of the knives fall out of my coat. <laughs> Could you imagine the 1289 edition of Mario Kart 8? <laughs> and you just hit you hit Rob with one of them fucking turtle shell things, and all these pocket knives go flying everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along here. Back with us again, we've got the only guy who's more Jersey than me, the Gabagool himself. We've got Chef Bagels. How's it going? And then, so happy to have him on the show. He's actually, along with Bagels, the first guy I ever podcasted with. We've got Bob with us. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Finally, tonight, rounding out this very special panel for this spooky Halloween spooktacular, we've got all the way from the Unresolved podcast, we've got Michael with us. 
Yo, what's up? Happy to be here. Liar. <laughs> You're here under duress. <laughs> so tonight, I'm going to tell one part of my favorite Halloween story, because the other part is in an episode that's going to be coming out soon. I'm not going to give away the topic, because I think a lot of people are looking forward to it, and we want to enhance the surprise. But anyway, way, way back, it was the year 2008. I was in a band at the time. I told you all about this. Crazy Stefan, the bass player. Stefan was dressed as Lieutenant Dangle. As you all, you know, I'm not going to give away what Andrew was dressed as because this episode is probably going to come out first, so I don't want to give away that story. <laughs> but anyway, and Doyle, I think, was dressed as Where's Waldo. So we all go, Andrew was a student at uh, the University of Delaware at the time, and he lived in this, um, I guess it'd be a dormitory. It was more like college housing. So anyway, we were like, oh, it's Halloween weekend. Let's go up to UD and like go to parties with uh, Andrew. And we're like 20, so none of us could buy fucking booze yet. And um, so our whole plan for getting shit-faced that night was, oh, we'll just find a party. A party's going to have booze. And the only fucking parties we could find were like the douchiest bro frat parties that always had like, okay, get the biggest muscular dude, put him outside and charge everybody money to get in. So we're like, oh my god, this sucks. Now we gotta go around and do an inventory of these fucking parties and find out which one is the cheapest. It's 2008, it's the recession, we're broke. So we find this one place, and the guy out front, he's like, okay, five bucks to get in, the chicks get in for free. Because there were a couple girls hanging with us too. I don't think any of them were girlfriends though, but anyway. Okay, did you did you immediately dress like Carmen Miranda and get on your fruit hat and just dance your way in? <laughs> no. I wish. That would have been great. What actually happened was, I, for some reason, I gave this guy attitude, which was probably a bad idea. Yeah, definitely a bad idea. I was like, the girl's getting free? And, and he was just like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, why? So you can try to fuck them for free while we have to pay? And he was just like, I guess. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, this is honest. Honest answer. Yeah. Yeah, dude, nailed it. So my whole thing was like, fuck this. This is stupid. And we go to walk away, and then Stefan's like, hold on a second. Everybody give me a dollar. And I'm like, why? And he's just like, wait for me. You'll see. So oh, no. the five of us gave him a buck. Oh, no. And he goes, I'll be back. And we're like, okay. Walks with the guy. He's like, here you go, my man. Hands him the five bucks. Stefan walks inside. Five minutes go by. Okay. Well, what are we supposed to be doing here? <laughs> Texting him. Where are you? <laughs> Nothing. 10 minutes go by, still nothing. 15 minutes go by. And we're just like, that fucker took our money so he could go party. <laughs> the second I said that, all of a sudden I hear, crash, get him! All of a sudden, from the side driveway of the house, Stefan is running out in his Lieutenant Dangle short shorts with about eight bottles of fucking, and I mean big bottles, 750 milliliter bottles of booze cradled me? in his arms like a baby he's rescuing from a dingo. And he's like, run, run, run! 
And we ran as far as we fucking could and sat on a street corner and fucking demolished those bottles. And it was the best Halloween since 1995, baby. Jesus Christ. Meanwhile, I've written books about people that have gotten killed for doing similar things. Your friend almost got killed for doing that thing. Yeah, almost. Holy shit. That would have been a good book. Yeah. (laughs) The Lieutenant Dangle Costume Murders. (laughs) Yeah, let's hear that one on True Crime Obsessed. <laughs> um, so, spooky season. We're going to talk about the spookiest thing imaginable. Cops. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> A specter of the police state. Mm-hmm. Now, as some of you might recall, a couple years back, we did... Uh, I mean, it's probably my favorite Halloween episode... We did um, haunted hospital ghost stories, stories from nurses and and hospital staff about the paranormal. And I thought, how can we expand on that? Because some of those stories were so great. And should we do more hospital ones? But I just found out, like, since we did that episode, the Travel Channel, like, decided to make a whole series about it. So I found something similar. We are going to talk about some paranormal experiences as documented by some of the bravest (laughs) people um, working for the public sector that have one of the most dangerous jobs. (laughs) Pizza delivery drivers. Wait, lumberjacks? Plumbers. (laughs) Electricians? Garbage men. Fishermen. Door dashers. Podcasters. (laughs) Neil (laughs) O'Neill. Grocery baggers. Professional StarCraft players. Any black person? Between cops and sickle cell. (laughs) Um, God damn it. What? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you booing me? I'm right. (laughs) It's a very deadly disease. Um, And sickle cell's a problem, too. Yeah, I'm going to assume that all of the cops mentioned are going to be white. And any time a shadow person comes up, it's just a black guy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, luckily, because the bulk of cops that write these things are fucking idiots, they left their full names, so we can judge they are race and creed (laughs) on the basis of the names they sign these with. Lieutenant Dangle. They gonna get diggity diggity doxed. Defends in a vowel and probably has a Z in it. <laughs> it's, it's my people's fault. <laughs> the bulk of these stories come from policeone.com, and this article, which I'm getting a few of these stories from, is called Ghost Patrol, the scariest things cops have seen on the beat. Most cops will tell you they've seen it all, but what about the paranormal? Ghost Patrol, that's like, that is the Police Academy sequel we deserved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's uh, pick the first one here. Okay, let's start with this one. This one's kind of innocuous enough to get us in the mood. This paranormal account from law enforcement is titled, A Different Kind of Evil. Several years ago, I took a 911 call for a family reporting their teenage daughter as possessed. They claimed no possibility of drugs or history of mental health issues, which I, of course, didn't believe for a second. Whoa! A little judgmental there, officer. <laughs> no, 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 I'm on the same page as this guy. He's talking fucking sense to me. Go on. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, by the way, this uh, this story comes from an officer, Meredith Sherman. Meredith Sherman. <laughs> Meredith Sherman. Who was brother of Burgess Meredith. As played by Eddie Deason. Um, there's a fucking horror story right there. My God, man, Dark, what the fuck happened to you? The D's. Deezer, family members were holding her down, and I could hear two people screaming at each other in the background. I asked the caller to tell whoever was yelling at her to stop. The caller said, it's her. 
I responded that I knew it was her, but whoever was yelling at her at the same time to stop. These are not written well. As one retired cop told me when I was writing Death on the Devil's Teeth, cops can barely read and write. (laughs) You mean a profession that barely requires a high school diploma? They're not very educated? Weird. Michael, we are going to lose all the fans we got through your association with this show. <laughs> Michael's going to lose all the fans he got through not being associated with us. I don't know, man. If he if he didn't lose those fans after our, our couple um, fucking unresolved live sessions. Well, I think I lost them last year when I uh, dare defend Trump, so fuck mm. it. Mm-hmm. You piece of shit. Yes, sir. <laughs> fuck him. I responded that I knew it was her, but whoever was yelling at her at the same time to stop whatever the caller again said it's her both voices (laughs) i kid you not it was the creepiest thing i have ever heard i have been doing this for 25 years and have heard many things i know of man's inhumanity and the horrible things people do to each other but this this was a different kind of evil jaywalkers my god i mean that's some good that's some decent writing right there that's some shatner shit i kid you not it was the creepiest thing i've ever heard i've been doing this for 25 years and have heard many things I know of man's inhumanity and the horrible things people do to each other, but this, this was a different kind of evil, Leonard. <laughs> All right, you gotta, you gotta stop the voice. <laughs> I'm gonna do this Please. entire episode is shut. No, you won't. I went to space. I was the fattest man in space. <laughs> I dare you to do so. I dare myself for my edification. And it is the biggest dare that one can ever dare. Sorry, this edible's hitting me hard. (laughs) I was clearly hearing a young girl screaming at the same time an adult male was yelling back. I couldn't understand either language, but they were clearly two different voices. The family swore both voices were coming from her at the same time. It made my skin crawl. The lieutenant listened to the tape later, and he looked at me and said, Do you ever wonder? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Okay. Schizophrenia, people. I've talked about this on the show once or twice. When I worked at Subway, there was a woman that came in and uh, walked, because it was like a shotgun shack layout of the store. You walk in, all the way to your left was the, the substation, to the right were the tables, and then straight in the back was the bathroom. They had a substation? We weren't dicks. We were not the people that were like, hey, you gotta buy a fucking sandwich if you wanna take a shit in here. So, like, she was one of the many people that would come in and just walk right past us to go to the bathroom. And then we heard... Two people screaming at each other in the bathroom were like, what the fuck's going on? Did she walk in there on someone? Because it was a single stall bathroom. She walk in on someone in there? Are they fighting? And um, so we knocked on the door and we, we tried to get her to come out and just more screaming and growling and the door was locked. So finally we called 911 and the cops opened the door and, and she was in there. There was blood all over the mirror. She was laying on the ground. She had passed out. Turns out she was on bath salts. Oh, Jesus. So she liked to party is what you're telling me. <laughs> Doing bath salts in the subway bathroom. It's my favorite Bob Seger song. That's Lonely as the Night, right? Yep. Lonely is the night when you're doing bath salts in the subway bathroom in fucking Dover, Delaware. <laughs> Can you play Lonely is the Night behind? Lonely is the night. Go to Wilmington. <laughs> go to the Carl's Jr. Vacuum up some crocodile with your dick. <laughs> <laughs> so this one comes from an officer, Marco Castillo, and it is entitled, Cell number one is empty. I've seen a lot of things in my career, things that would make a citizen doubt my sanity. From being dispatched to chase a UFO, to responding to calls of ghosts, 
That's fucking awesome. I want that job. Sounds like the prologue yeah. to a trauma movie here. Ghost cops? Fucking yeah, sounds like <laughs> ghost cops, ghost cops. A cab includes ghost cops. Sounds like he works for the freaking <laughs> X-Files. How the fuck did Mulder never get fired? <laughs> it's You know, that's crazy. I didn't know there was ghost cops. That's why ghosts are always white. <laughs> Social comment that. <laughs> but the most unusual thing that happened to me was witnessed by several officers and a dispatcher. One evening, I had brought in a guy for domestic violence, and as he was a bit rowdy, I was joined in booking by the sergeant and another patrolman. Was that was the person he brought in basically just a confession? <laughs> <laughs> another social comment that... Asking for a friend. <laughs> I'm in the process of booking Mr. Tough Guy when I glanced into cell number one. <laughs> so you know this is in Jersey. Yeah, I was in the process of booking Mr. Tough Guy over here. <laughs> There was a guy in there, short haircut, glasses, and a white t-shirt just staring at us. I ignored him because I didn't want him to start banging on the window demanding a phone call or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't want this guy demanding his constitutional rights and none of that gay shit. <laughs> I wasn't trying to hear. <laughs> so I finished the booking process and escort Mr. Tough Guy to his cell. Walking past cell number one. What was that? The ghost cops! Sorry. What the fuck was that? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I uh, playing a mobile game? They're here! I touched, I touched my phone and a video started playing. <laughs> We've spoken ghost cops into existence. That's an actual TV show. That's the theme. We're getting ghost swatted, yo. Ghost cops, ghost cops. Fuck. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when Dan's phone goes off and distracts you? Um, alright, going back to the story here. Gotta find my place. This is going well. Um, I was being sincere, but okay. I'm having a good time. This is going well. Jesse said as he stumbled to his car and missed the door with his keys three times. <laughs> Walk right off a bridge. <laughs> this is going well, said Ted Kennedy as he swerved. Smiley face killer's gonna get your ass. You guys remember that hotel we stayed at in, uh, in Cranford and how the parking lot was right up against the entrance to the Garden State Parkway? So, yeah. like, literally, yeah. you, like, kept walking, you'd be beamed by a car to an 80. <laughs> this is going well. <laughs> <laughs> Final Destination 7. We're running out of ideas. Um, the guy in the cell just stood there, never saying a word or moving. We all then leave booking and go about our business. Sometime later, Sergeant asks me to check the paperwork for the prisoners to see if there were any ready to transport to the county jail. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Sorry. I grab the paperwork and go into booking to do a head count. Cell number one is empty. I panic and tell the sergeant, who also panics, and he and I begin to make phone calls to the detectives to see if they had moved the guy or had released him. They all say they didn't go into booking at all. I then check the computer and paperwork again, and the head count was accurate. No one had been placed in cell number one. This is a clerical error at best. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Somebody just fucked up. Dude, have you ever dealt with the American medical insurance fucking complex? A clerical error is a fucking <laughs> horror story. I mean, yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. I dealt with a medical <laughs> insurance company hounding me for 18 months over a bill that I paid. <laughs> fucking... What a hell world we fucking live in. Anyway. It just makes me think of, like, the, the Doom Bernie meme. You could have prevented this. <laughs> we go to the dispatch office to check the surveillance video for booking. We rewind the footage to where I can be seen booking my prisoner. 
We fast forward to the point in the video where we all walk out. As soon as we walk past the door, the guy in number one blinks out of existence. We were all freaked out by the occurrence, believe you me. When we tried to transfer the video to a DVD and USB drive, the guy in the cell did not appear at all. We still hear and see stuff every now and then, and prisoners in the detox tank can be seen talking to someone in the direction of cell number one, even though it appears empty. To this day, I'm wary of going into booking alone. That's kind of cool. That is. I mean, I'd love to see that footage, but apparently, you know, it's that special kind of ghost footage that's like, yeah, no, we tried copying it so y'all could see it and uh, it didn't work. <laughs> oh, weird. It'd be crazy how that happens, like, every fucking time. No evidence, huh? That's that's strange. Yeah. I... <laughs> hmm. Well, at least you guys are diligent and uh, not pursuing it. So. Can you imagine, like, presenting that in a court of law? Just kind of like, hey, we had evidence. Uh, we can't show you, but... Hey, Michael, I don't know if you've ever heard of these things called body cams, but that happens in a court of law with cops all the time. Yeah. Hey, I don't know. It, like, it just, it just stopped. I... It must have been a solar flare or something. <laughs> <laughs> Your Honor, there was like some swamp gas in front of Venus and a weather balloon and uh, my body cam turned itself off. So anyway, I started blasting. <laughs> I don't think we can trust in the body cam's ability to be impartial. I think this needs to be dismissed. <laughs> One minute I'm, put, I'm telling them to get on the ground. The next minute an aurora borealis hits. And then after that, his legs are broken. I mean, <laughs> you know, these things happen. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us today. I figured we would start today's episode by reading some letters I've received from viewers like you. This first letter here says, Bob, I love watching your show every week, but I can never paint because I'm colorblind. Well, tough luck. Anyway, let's load up our brush and get to work on a nice little painting. The colors you're going to need for this painting today are alizarin Briege, some Bright Jane, some Cadmium Jamie, some Dark Kathleen, some Indian Anne, a little bit of the Midnight Kevin, a dab of the Mountain Nanners, a little bit of the Phalo Kimberly, 
some of the Red Matthew, a dash of Prussian Michael, a little blob of the Sap Titter, some Titanium Ian. You know what? Let's throw a little bit of the Van Dyke Karma in too. Let's get crazy. A little bit of the Yellow Linus. And hey, let's round everything out with some Joanne Oker. Mix it all together. And before we start painting, let's clean our brush with some odorless mineral spirits. Just beat the devil out of it. <laughs> you know, I talk to the devil, folks. You know, sometimes he tells me, Bob, you should just make them all pay. It's not like God's gonna do it. And you know, sometimes I feel like I should talk to someone about it. And so I do in a series of letters that I've mailed to several United States representatives all around our great and wonderful country. And I filled these envelopes with ricin. Yeah, yeah, just pure, pure ricin. You know, speaking of letters, we get letters and comments from listeners all around the world here at Podcast 1289. And some of them say, you know, we really don't like those Patreon sketches that you do. They interrupt the topic that we listen to the show for. And well, they're going to be getting a surprise in their mailbox pretty soon, too. <laughs> yeah. Thank you all so much, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Except for you colorblind people out there. God bless. Bye-bye. This one, this one is kind of creepy. Um, this one comes from Chuck Feel, and it's called oh, no. Welfare Check. Chuck I'm sorry, oh. Officer Chuck Feel. I can already tell I'm going to hate this one. Well, it's spelled P-H-I-E-L, so it's either peel or feel, or file. Maybe it's file. My bigot senses are tingling. Ooh. Peter no, file? no, no, this one's legit kind of creepy. I know Rob's going to be creeped out on this because Rob and I are creeped out by the same shit. Oh, good. I answered a welfare check call one night late between 0230 and 0300 on an elderly woman who lived next door to the caller and had not been seen for some time. This night, we were having a bad thunderstorm without the rain. I get to the complainant's house to speak to her first, wondering why she called at this time. She tells me the lady next door is in her 90s, lives alone, and she has not seen her in weeks. Why would you wait weeks? Like, I figure after one week, if the person yeah. is 90, it's like, they're not going to Atlantic City. They're in their 90s. That's the, You <laughs> no. tap out at 82 with that. No. Gotta be more prudent. She explained that she has called, went over, knocked on her door, but the lady will not answer. I start thinking she's probably deceased and has been for some time. Yeah. The car has a three-inch layer of dust on it. Okay, no. Mm, yeah, that doesn't happen. That's got to be an exaggeration. Three inches of dust? They didn't have three-inch layers of dust, and uh, you know, on fucking Liberty Street on 9-11, okay? Like, yeah, three inches of dust, that's like the road. <laughs> Cormac McCarthy fucks. <laughs> He's a good writer. Old lady drove a prop I, car for Mad Max. I mean, it's kind of tragic. <laughs> this man doesn't know what an inch is. The sad, <laughs> tragic end of the doof warrior. Maybe her husband's just kind of upset her uh, her scale of measurement. Ooh. He's like, I swear it's nine inches. <laughs> <laughs> the car has a three-inch layer of dust on it. The mail is piling up and no lights are on. First, I walked to the side door and knocked on the door with my flashlight. Knocking loud enough, an elderly person with some hearing should hear it. After a few minutes of no response, I turn around and walk to the backyard, looking at the windows and find everything's okay. The complainant is with me and is saying she doesn't know of any relatives of the lady. 
I'm sure by now that she's probably deceased. Yeah. I walk to the front of the house and notice that her blinds are up on the front windows, and I can see a glow from inside. I am, however, not tall enough to look into the windows, which are probably seven feet off the ground. The complainant runs next door and grabs a bucket for me to stand on. Ah, yeah, one of them five-foot-tall buckets. <laughs> short cops, short cops. These are the good ones from Menards. That's a good bucket. <laughs> I have a somewhat better advantage. Man, sounds like this guy needs some math, cops. <laughs> Don't tell the elf. <laughs> I get on the bucket, and bingo, I can see the living room. The glow was from the TV, which was on a blue screen, and it's bright enough I didn't need my flashlight to see in. I looked first at the floor to make sure she had not fallen there. Couch, recliner, everything was empty. The telephone home base was blinking red with the missed calls and voicemails. From the living room was a hallway that was dark and I couldn't see down. Using my flashlight, I could only see an open door down the hall. Still, no signs of life. Died on the toilet. Elvis style, she was a king, baby. <laughs> I turned around and told the complainant that everything looked okay and nothing was disturbed. I turned back around, and an elderly woman was looking back at me with her face right up next to the glass. Oh, great! <laughs> I shit my pants immediately. <laughs> I would've. I couldn't breathe. It felt as if I had been hit in the chest by a bat. Uh, officer, we noticed in your report you failed to neglect the mentioning of your destruction of uh, police-owned property. You shit your pants, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be disclosed in the report. You shit out your doo-doo ass, officer, and we're going to need you to go on record about that. IA will be in touch. <laughs> I fell backwards and off of the bucket. I hit the ground hard, and the complainant rushed to me. I pushed her off as she was trying to help me up, and I ran back up on the bucket. Get the fuck off me! I need to go see that old bitch! I need to see this shit! Ran back up on the bucket! It's just a fucking Home Depot bucket upended, and he jumps onto it. Of course, for way too fast, and he just ass over tea cuddles himself. <laughs> back down on the ground like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the story of how I became a ghost. You see, I'd watch Cops if that's what it looked like. <laughs> this Santa Claus sequel sucks. <laughs> My heart was pounding. Yeah, but it's a million dollar baby sequel. It's on fucking point. <laughs> I got that one. Damn. Spoilers. Spoilers on this 13-year-old movie. Deep cut. My heart was pounding, but I had to see. Instinct had my hand on my gun. On your gun? Because an old lady looked at you through a window? Man, yeah. I'm old. So I started blasting. Jesus <laughs> Christ, these are fucking cop stories, though. Yeah, I was about to say this is too well written to be a cop, but no, that's a cop right there. No, that's, yeah, that's all cop instinct. I had my hand on my fucking gun. <laughs> instinct had my hand on my gun, and the other was up on the window. I looked back inside and saw a frail elderly woman standing in the hallway, wearing a long nightgown with her back to me. She turned her head to the side and looked at me out the corner of her eye, and then slowly walked out of view and down the dark hallway. That unnerved me. So I decided I had to shoot- So I started blasting! <laughs> <laughs> I loaded my gun with silver bullets to make sure that they fucking hit. Okay, that's an appropriate response, though. No, this is just this is just the first act of every J-horror movie. Yeah. I felt like it would be a waste of taxpayer dollars if I didn't use these bullets. <laughs> it's, it's also the start of Wreck. 
Like, I'm hoping this cop gets ambushed and gets his jugular pulled out. <laughs> now, Rec, now, Rec was the original, right? Because Quarantine yeah. was the remake? Yeah. Yeah, Quarantine was the Rec doesn't exist, what are you talking about movie. Well, wasn't Quarantine made by the same people that made Rec? They just basically remade it in English. Was it the same people? I thought it was a different company. I think it was the same people. I watched a Kill Count episode about a shout out to James A. Janice. That channel rules. Um, anyway, I got down and looked at the complainant who was standing there with a puzzled look on her face. All I could say was, I saw her. By now the wind had picked up and it began to rain. I began to walk back to my car by the road, and I turned back to the complainant and said, Don't come back here. Yeah, don't come back here to five feet away from your property. <laughs> they are next door neighbors. This house doesn't belong to you anymore, lady. <laughs> I don't care if you've lived here for 60 years. So I went back to the car and I got my whip vampire killer. <laughs> you leave this neighborhood today. <laughs> I got into the car and drove to the PD. I never found out about the lady who lived there. The complainant didn't call back and the house now has different tenants inside. Some things are better left alone. You know what? I would say that is the dumbest fucking thing I ever heard a cop say, but maybe it'd be nice if more cops took that attitude. Like, especially when it comes to, I saw a black guy holding something. Yeah, yeah, that would be lovely. Mm -hmm. He just dusts his hands off. He's like, consider this neighborhood gentrified. <laughs> oh, that's spicy. <laughs> oh, no, but yeah. Oh, hey, here's one uh, from an officer, Joel Prittig. And this is from Dan's Stomping Grounds. Oh, man, the names really are getting dumber. Yep. Oh, P-R-I-D-G. Pridig. This one is titled, No Scent. Over 20 years ago, I took an alarm call at the old PTA building across the street from a courthouse in Austin, Texas. The PTA's disbanded? Like, you know what? Fuck these kids. <laughs> You're starting to lapse into the Morgan Friedberg voice there a bit. <laughs> the alarm had already gone quiet when I showed up with a senior officer. We found an unsecured door slightly open on the east side, so he posted me there while we finished the perimeter and other officers arrived. This is, it's just, it, there are no spelling errors in this one, so it doesn't have the full effect. An unsecured door is just a door. <laughs> I was staring right at the door when the alarm activated again, and the door slammed shut in my face, loudly. Well, things don't slam quietly. Come back with a warrant, bitch. <laughs> there you go. It slammed with attitude. That's right. Know your rights. Anti-cop doors. <laughs> the senior officer ran back to my position and asked why I closed the door. I told him I didn't. We called for canine, and the dog arrived shortly. I went in with canine to clear... I would love it if that was just the whole story. Just the, the door closed. <laughs> <laughs> Spooky. I mean, that's pretty much all the story is. I only included it because it's got a reference to Austin. <laughs> I went in with K-9 to clear the building. We found nothing, but the entire time, the dog was acting very hinky. What the fuck does hinky mean? Isn't that the guy that shot Reagan? It's like, it's like <laughs> skittish. It's a word. It's not a word. Dog wants to fuck Jodie Foster? Hinky is totally a word. <laughs> hinky, hinky, you can't, you can't prove to me hinky is a word. I'm looking it up, bitch. I'm on to you. I'm on to your games. There it is, dictionary. Hinky, dishonest or suspect, or unreliable. <laughs> it's an adjective. Hold on, hold on, which dictionary? Oxford, bud. All right, all right. <laughs> I'm gonna go throw up now. Nervous or jittery? Yeah. I felt I felt a new layer of grind form on me hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's passed on to the next generation and they don't know why it's funny. 
John Bukowitsu. We found nothing, but the entire time the dog was acting very hinky, like someone was in the building, but he wasn't picking up a scent. We secured the building and a key holder showed up. It was Rick Moranis. He said, Well, you know the place is haunted, right? There was a secretary that worked there about 30 years ago, and after she died, she keeps showing up for work. Man, that is some late-stage fucking capitalism right there. <laughs> That's so fucked. That's so fucked. You're dead, and you're still showing up for work. That's my favorite Bruce Springsteen song, by the way. <laughs> Papers fly off the desks, doors close, sightings, the works. We told both yeah, the That's key- more of a David Byrne lyric, really. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what Nothing But Flowers is about. Um, we both told the key holder the next alarm call there was was all his. Good cops! Professional! <laughs> They've called SWAT teams for less. <laughs> yep. This next story comes from an officer, Arthur Rigsby. Arthur Rigsby! Arthur Rigsby! <laughs> That's a Tim Curry character right there. Hello, I am Arthur Rigsby with a ghost story involving cops. You know what's not smashing? Having a stroke, Eliza. Fuck. <laughs> he was in Scary Movie too. He'd find it funny. Yeah, I know. Take my strong hand. Oh my god, that movie. That was the first DVD I ever watched. Scary Movie 2. My first high-definition experience was that fucking hand. I'm sorry. <laughs> In the mashed potatoes. Oh my God. Who wants a wing? Yours are the turkeys. That's Big Daddy Kane. <laughs> I think first first DVD I ever watched was either 2001 or uh, the fucking Pokemon movie, which basically illustrates the deep dichotomy within my tastes in media right there. I actually remember this. It was 2001 because we both went to Suncoast Video in the mall one of the times I slept over your house for a weekend, and we bought 2001 from the Stanley Kubrick collection and the uh, Image Entertainment release of Nosferatu. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I remember I didn't even have a DVD player. I had to watch it on a desktop computer if I wanted to watch it because it had a DVD drive in it. But, uh, yeah, no, I remember that day well. That was a fucking cool time, man. I'm still very proud of uh, Whoopi Goldblum. <laughs> See, I can't, like, is it Whoopi Goldberg's voice saying Jeff Goldblum shit or Jeff Goldblum's voice saying Whoopi Goldberg? I assume it's Whoopi Goldblum, Whoopi Goldberg saying, uh, <laughs> Whoopi Goldblum. <laughs> Whoopi Goldblum. Recursive Goldblum, no! <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> it's just, they, it's just... It's redubbing Guinan's lines from Star Trek with Jeff Goldblum quotes. <laughs> what a horrifying deep fake that would be. And you get a car, and you get a car, and I think you should get a car. <laughs> That's Oprah! <laughs> See, I assumed it would be like Whoopi Goldberg's voice saying Jeff Goldblum shit. <laughs> I'm a fly! <laughs> Insect politician! I don't know why that's great, but that's great. That's the only Jeff Goldblum line bagels could be like, I'm a fly! It's not even a Jeff Goldblum line. It's not! It's not! <laughs> that's like one of those memes where it's like, you know, it's like the, the famous line from a movie that doesn't exist. Uh, you know, uh, nature finds a way. <laughs> I love that, that Whoopi Goldberg's voice is just, you know, anybody who smokes six packs a day. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses <laughs> to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you patented it, packaged it, and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you want to you sell it. You want to sell it. 
<laughs> I think I want to be the first fly politician. <laughs> what the fuck happened to Whoopi Goldberg's eyebrows, by the way? They never existed? I think Jeff Goldblum ate them. They disappeared somewhere <laughs> between Theodore Rex and now. <laughs> Yo, I have to say, Theodore Rex is a fucking boring movie. Yeah, my friends no, and I watched it expecting it to be like stupid funny, but it's just goddamn boring. No, if you want a movie like that, you gotta watch Tammy and the T Rex. That's exactly what we watched next. Exact, my man. <laughs> Becomes a fucking computer at the end. How great <laughs> is that movie? <laughs> what? Ah, <laughs> uh, God is cruel. Anyway, this story comes from Officer Arthur Rigsby. And it's called Hind Legs. <gasps> One year, our department started receiving complaints of headstones being knocked over in the city cemetery around Halloween. The chief advised us on the midnight shift to spend our extra time around the cemetery to catch the person or persons causing the damage. Me being sneaky, I found a good hidden observation point about a block away. There were two major well-lit streets providing fair lighting in the cemetery. For several nights, I would from time to time stop and check the cemetery with my binoculars and only patrol the cemetery at the start and end of my shift, as usual. One time checking the cemetery, I spotted something that looked like a cat walking on its hind legs. I mean, cats can do that. Uh, my son watches a lot of Vine compilations, and I can verify cats do do that. Yeah. I am going to say that again, though. One time checking the cemetery, I spotted something that looked like a cat walking on its hind legs. So this is just an episode of fucking Sabrina the Teenage Witch at this point. <laughs> the fucking snakes with fur is what they are. I watched it walk approximately 10 feet between headstones and lost sight of it. I rushed over to the area in my patrol car, turning on my spotlight, alley lights, and takedown lights. I couldn't find a thing, but a track through the dew on the grass that dead-ended at a headstone. So this is a pet cemetery for yeah. hind leg walking cats. <laughs> oh, Rob and I watched Pet Cemetery 2 Monday. Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> it's awful, but Gus is amazing. Clancy Brown is in it. Clancy Brown is the highlight of the movie. He chews the scenery every chance he gets. Well, yeah, he's a fucking curtain. Yeah, no, he's fucking amazing. Y'all know he's Mr. Krabs, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, really? Yeah, Clancy Brown, the Kurgan, is Mr. Krabs. I did not know that. That's awesome. That's a fact you all know now. My world is considerably richer now. Yeah, same. Yeah, dude, Clancy Brown fucking rules. You ever seen, you ever watch Carnival? No, no. Carnival fucking... Yeah, the HBO show. Oh, yeah. fucking rules. Jason was actually talking about that the other day with him. Yeah, that show needed, like, another, like, three seasons. That would have been the fucking ball. To this day, I can remember how it moved and its outline in my binoculars creepy. I'm an avid hunter, and I've done plenty of hunting at night. I am very familiar with all the animals in my neck of the woods, and I have never seen anything like it. <laughs> Arthur Rigsby. You're just walking around like a motherfucking Dr. Seuss character. This one comes from Officer Kevin Thompson, and it's called Home. Several years back, me and my partner were looking for a kidnapping suspect at some abandoned houses. Around 0330, we go to check a house in a very rural and remote part of the county. The house is extremely large and creepy looking. We make entry and find the inside of this house is like something out of Tim Burton's nightmare. Well, wait, which one? Are we talking about like a nightmare Tim Burton had or is this 
a shortened version of Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, one of those sounds more whimsical almost. You gotta be specific with Tim. Yeah, that's a dichotomy because I feel like a nightmare for Tim Burton is gonna be like something pretty normal. Yeah, it's gonna be the neighborhood <laughs> in Edward Scissorhands. Exactly, get out of my fucking head. Filing taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Not putting your wife in fucking movies. <laughs> Brushing your teeth. Um, there are walls going halfway up and stopping. There were doorways barely big enough to stick your head through and opening up into massive empty rooms. What? <laughs> Somehow looking worse than Robert Smith. Tone, we went into this abandoned house. There were fucking doors barely big enough for your head in big abandoned giant rooms. It was like the Doctor of Cabinet Calamari or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just, <laughs> just finagle that ish. I think Alfred Hitchcock did that. Uh, supposedly. <laughs> Every time we thought we'd made it to the top floor, we'd find another staircase leading up. Finally, we make it to the attic and find all kinds of crazy stuff drawn on the walls. So crazy, I guess you can't describe it. It's Lovecraftian. Needless to say, we fi- Ooh, spoopy. Yeah, they were NFTs. <laughs> Needless to say, we finished clearing the house and got out of there. Whatever. <laughs> they were called out to the fucking Winchester house. This isn't anything special. He just neglected to mention that part. Mm. Yeah, I saw that scene in Prisoners. It was spooky. <laughs> it was just a construction site. It wasn't even finished building. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a cat door. They, they were on shrooms, and they tried to stick their head in the cat door. <laughs> hey, Tone, this door is like for heads or some shit. What, what the fuck are you talking about, Polly? They're just tripping, looking at a fucking an apartment complex mailbox. <laughs> like, look at these tiny little apartments, man. How do people fit in these little boxes? They didn't realize they'd been exposed to fentanyl on their previous call. <laughs> why, is, why is this just Zoolander? What is this, an abandoned building for ants? <laughs> this next one is from Officer Rob McGinley, and it's called Entry Tools. I responded to a suicide as the co-lead detective. A male had hung himself, hanged, motherfucker, in the tree in the backyard. We checked the residence, and it was locked with a deadbolt thrown on both entry and egress doors. I called for entry tools and a supervisor for... I called for entry tools and a supervisor for a breach, because... All right, am I saying this right? Is it decedent? Yeah. I think yeah. so, yeah. All right, it's not decadent. No, it's not decadent. <laughs> The dead dude's, not decadent, the dead dude's no. girlfriend was not it's accounted decedent. for, and they lived together. I was thinking it was a possible murder-suicide. Several patrol officers and I were standing at the back door of the house on the south side, which had been checked multiple times while waiting on entry tools. I looked at the door, and there's a gap in the frame, and see there's no deadbolt thrown anywhere. I checked the door, and now it's open. We clear the residence, and no one is inside. I even had them clear the attic space. Inside the door that magically opened were multiple notes to family members from the decedent. We all walk outside and are waiting on the next of kin to arrive and try to walk back in. The door is secured again with a deadbolt. It should be noted no one had keys and there were key locks on both sides of the door. In a house? That's dumb. The lead and I were now discussing how we were going to have to call for entry tools and again the door was open. No one went near it. I again had the residence cleared and no one was inside. The lead detective and I did not go back into that house that day. Which just goes to show, cops will not do their jobs if they are vaguely spooked. Yeah. <laughs> All you have to do is live in a haunted house and you can have a meth lab in the basement and they'll never fucking find it. That's what I learned mm -hmm. today. Police, open up. 
Okay, but it's haunted in here. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind. We're gone. Bye. That's how Bagels got those cops to leave that one time we were apartment sitting. That was my Jedi mind trick. (laughs) That was the night we all ended up watching the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie. Just officers. There's like three ghosts in here. Um, this might be the last one. Um, if it doesn't hit hard, I'll check another page for one good one to go out on. But this is a short one from Officer Dalton. Oh boy. Um, Hostetler? H O S T E T L E R? Yeah, you got it. Officer Dalton Hostetler. This is from Officer Dalton. And it's called A Call for Hell. Timothy Dalton. Yes, Timothy Dalton. You know, those of you who killed checks, stop coming. Was that Dalton or was that Roger Moore? Who gives a fuck? There were calls for service coming from a vacant household twice a night for about a week. The voice on the phone sounded like an elderly at-risk lady with Alzheimer's, barely audibly saying, Please, please help. Please help. With coughing. Totally unresponsive to our calls. I confirmed with my shift sergeant that the house's last resident was a daughter taking care of her mother, who was dying from stage 2 lung cancer. Definitely set to shiver down my back. Eh. Okay, that one. That's creepy-ish. Kinda spooky. Creepy-ish. Yeah. Eh. Preppy, but not creepy. Mm Mm-hmm. Let me see if there's one more on this other page from Equinox Paranormal. Um. Guardian Angel, the Fallen Officer. Eh. This is just stupid. There's another officer watching over us. No, that's a ghost or a demon. That's not That's not a heartwarming story. You're an officer, so that's a demon. Does it have qualified ebunity? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good, yeah. Oh, With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.